0: Um, I can honestly say that this week I have thought about little else except, except today I'm preparing uh, for, for my talk, for my sermon. And I know that Fifi and Henry are fed up of me walking up and down the, the, the kitchen, practicing out loud and timing myself <laughs> to see how long I'm going to take. And my talk today is going to be based, uh, it's part of the, the series that's running at the moment, taken from the book of James, And I'm going to be talking from verses, which Sarah's just read, verses 19 to 27 in chapter 1, where James is talking to the Jewish Christians about listening to the teachings of Jesus and acting upon them, and he is outlining the features of a life lived in Jesus. And just to recap briefly on what Graham said last week when he introduced uh, the book of James and gave us a little bit of background... James opens the letter by saying, this is a letter from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Now James wrote to Jewish Christians who had been scattered throughout the Mediterranean and who were being persecuted. And in circumstances like that, it's often easier in hostile surroundings to be a nominal Christian, to keep our heads low, to be part of the crowd and not to stand out. I can remember once, uh, at my work, somebody said to me, I must have said something about going to church or something that I'd done, and um, I identified myself as a Christian. And this person said to me, he'd known me for quite a few years, Morag, I didn't take you for a Christian. I didn't know that you were a Christian. Well, that shocked me. It absolutely shocked me. And it led me to reflect on what kind of a Christian am I? do I take my Christianity everywhere with me or am I putting it in boxes and just showing it when I feel that it's safe to do so? And it made me reflect as well that sometimes hostile surroundings are not necessarily surroundings where we are in danger and our lives actually in danger, but it's just surroundings where we're not particularly comfortable and we don't want to stand out. So we duck down and we hide behind the parapet. So what James wanted to do here was to encourage the Jewish Christians to put their faith into action because it's it's easy to say we have faith but true faith will produce loving actions towards others. Um, This particular part of, of the letter is entitled Listening and Doing and I want us to reflect here on listening and hearing in the broad sense of the word not just listening to the spoken word, which we often associate listening with, but with listening to the word of God, which comes in many different forms. It can come through the spoken word. It can come through the written word. It can come through prayer. It can come through visual means. It can come through signing, as we are doing today in church. Um, Many of you will know that I'm a speech and language therapist, and so therefore I have spent a lot of my life Teaching young people and children to listen, to listen to something and to act upon it. And one might think, yeah, the process of listening and doing is quite a simple one, isn't it? You listen, you think a little bit, and then you do, you, you you act upon it. But actually it's not. In between the listening and the doing, there's this great big area that's going to affect how we interpret what we have just heard. I mean, sometimes we'll not understand. We truly will not understand what we've heard. And in that case, we should go away, discuss it with others, reflect upon it until we're able to interpret and to hear the message that's coming coming to us. But in a lot of cases, we listen, we understand, and then we begin to interpret the word. And there are lots and lots of voices that are coming in and affecting the way that we're ultimately going to respond to the word. There are voices of past experience. Well, I've done something similar to this before. It didn't go very well. Do I really want to do it again? Or, yeah, you did that before and it went well, Morag, so you might think about doing it again. There are our voices of our doubts and our fears. Do I really want to get involved in this? It's going to take up time. It's going to be time-consuming. I might have to change some aspects in my life. My will. Have I got the will to do it? And also there's the voices from outside, from the people around us. Some are positive voices, encouragingly, yes, yes, I can see you doing that. And other voices are not. Oh, I don't see you in that room, that is not for you. I wouldn't do this, I would do something different. So we have lots of voices going on. We have the voice of the Lord speaking to us through the message that we've just been reading or hearing. And we've got a whole lot of different voices. Some coming from inside of us and some coming from the outside Which voices are the strongest? Which voice is louder? Which is the one that we are going to follow? Um, Just recently, I've been uh, thinking a lot about a change in lifestyle. I would like to change a a very important aspect of my life. So I've been thinking about this, and um, I decided to pray about it. So I prayed about it, and I got my answer straight away. I didn't have to wait. The next day... I opened up my daily readings, and there it was, in black and white, in front of me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, where Paul said, I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation. So there was my answer. No change for you, Morag. Things are going to continue this way. Now, in my heart of hearts, I knew that that was the right answer. But this rebellious part of me, this voice, rebellious voice, oh no, it's not fair. That's not what I wanted to hear. Which voice is the strongest? Which is the voice that I'm going to listen to? So let's go on and have a look uh, in some detail at some of the, the actual verses. So verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Here, James is reminding us that we should always listen. We should always be quick to to listen and to indicate to somebody that we are listening to them, but that we should be slow to speak. We should consider our response. In all situations, this is true, but it's actually really true when we're in situations of confrontation. We're in situations where we're not particularly comfortable and we're not sure of how we're going to respond Because when we respond quickly in these situations, we can often say and do things which might hurt and offend other people. Because as it says in verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let's think about the story in John 8, a woman caught in adultery, where the Pharisees brought this woman before Jesus. And they they were asking him, what are we going to do with this? Are we going to stone her? Are we going to follow the law? And there was probably this barrage of voices going on at Jesus, talking to him, shouting at him, talking at him. And verse 6 says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now what he was writing in the dust actually doesn't really matter. What he did was he stepped back and he allowed himself time to think about what was going on and to think about his answer. A very good technique to employ when we're in situations where we're unsure of ourselves, when we're angry and we don't want to respond in a way that's going to upset somebody. Do something to diffuse the situation. Step back a bit. Take your time to answer. Or maybe just say, no, I can't answer this just now. I'm going to go and think about it and come back later on. Verse 26, James reminds us to keep a rein on our tongue. Because our tongues are double-edged swords. On one hand, they can be a vicious weapon where we can hurt people with them. We can destroy people with the words that we say. But on the other hand, it can be positive. We can encourage people. We can build people up. We can use our tongues in a very, very positive manner. So it's it's a question of taking time to respond. Listen, but consider our responses. Don't rush in to responding. Let's go on now to think about verses 21, 22, and 27. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Verse 27. Religion that a God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Look after orphan and widows. Who are the orphans and widows in our world today? Could we put them as the poor and the disadvantaged? Those whose voices are weak? Those whose voices are not heard? Or maybe those whose voices are largely ignored? And if we listen to the voice of the world about this particular group, we might assume the worst. We might hear a lot of negative, negativity around the poor and the disadvantaged. So what can we do? Well, there's a lot of practical things we can do. We can, we can uh, support charities. We can join uh, groups like um, Hackney's uh, UK Citizens. We can help at food banks, lobby our MPs. There are a lot of practical things that we can actually do, and I'm sure that we are doing. But maybe the most important thing is to consider our attitude. How do we think about the poor and the disadvantaged. What are our beliefs inside us? Are they positive or are they negative? Who, who would fall into the group of the poor and the disadvantaged in our society today? Well, maybe the homeless, those who are unemployed, the long-term sick, the disabled, the old, the migrants and the refugees, people whose voices are maybe weak and not heard or not listened to, more to the point. Let's consider in particular the refugees and the migrants coming into Europe at the moment in large numbers. What do we think about them? What are our thoughts and our opinions? Are we frightened because they're coming in such large numbers that they're going to change our culture? Are we frightened because they're going to use our resources, take our houses, places and schools? Or can we pause for a moment and just think, empathise with them and think, what would I do? What would I do in that situation? What would I do if my family was in a, a country that is torn by war where I'd lost family members or family members had been hurt? What would I do if I was in a country where I couldn't, I couldn't work because there isn't any work so I can't feed my children? Probably I would try to find a place, a safe place. I would try to take them somewhere where they can grow and be safe. So therefore it's important to consider our attitudes because positive attitude, positive loving attitude, will translate into positive loving actions. Imagine if we could create a welcoming attitude here in London, in the UK, for people who are coming from overseas, for the migrants and refugees. Imagine if we could create an atmosphere that said, welcome, this is somewhere you can build a new life, you can give to our culture, and we will help you to build up build up a new life. So which voices are we going to be listening to? Are we going to be listening to the negative voices of the world or are we going to be listening to the loving voice of Jesus who tells us to look after the poor uh, and disadvantaged and to love our neighbours? Which voice is going to be the stronger? Let's also think about what James would consider to be moral, moral filth and evil that surrounds us in the world today. Graham said last week in his uh, sermon that we live in a chaotic and disordered world. Therefore, in this chaotic and disordered world, we are bound to come up against lots of behaviour, lots of material, lots of things that we're not comfortable with, that doesn't sit very well with the teachings of Jesus. Um, What are we going to do? How are we going to counter these, for for want of a better word, the moral filth which exists around us? Well, if we think of Mark 7, verse 19, where Jesus says, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their hearts, but into their stomach and then out of the body. He went on to say, what comes out of a person? is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Now I know that in verse 19 he was actually talking about food, and they were talking about food which is clean and unclean, but the, actual, the thought there, behind there, is that anything that comes into our body, if it's not good and wholesome, should go out of our body. So though we are exposed in the world to lots of things that we don't like, that we're not comfortable with, They will come into our thought processes through our vision and through our hearing, but it's what happens to it in here. It's what we do with it. And we might listen to it, we might discuss it, debate it, and talk to others others about it, but we have to try not to let it affect our thinking, our overall thinking. So what is not good that comes into us should come in and go out, like the old saying, in one ear and out of the other. So which voice rules us? Which desires are strongest? Is it the desire to be part of the world, part of the gang, not to stand out, keep our heads down? Or is it our desire to live a life in Jesus, to follow the teachings of Jesus? Because God has called us to be different. In Leviticus 11, verse 45, and 1 Peter Chapter one, verses fifteen and sixteen. He says, "Be holy, because I am holy." We are called to live in the world, to interact with the world, but to avoid conforming with popular views. We are therefore called to be non-conformists in the eyes of the world. So, which voice in our lives are the strongest voices? Is it the voice of Jesus, or is it the voices of the world and? Possibly the negative voices that we have inside us. Thank you very much.